Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to episode 8 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin, coming to you from sunny, yeah, sunny suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and it's uh, mid-August here, ramping up to Fan Expo Canada, at least that's how I'm feeling. Uh, got a got a pretty neat special episode uh, for you today. Uh, Dallas, my buddy Dallas, who came over uh, a few weeks ago to talk about his uh, his paper on Anakin Skywalker. He's turning the tables on me a little. He sent me a Facebook message the other day saying, "Hey, I want to come over and ask you some questions." So uh, that's what he's gonna do. How are you doing, Dallas? Good, good. Right it's on. Good to be back. How's uh, how's Burlington treating you? Burlington is beautiful. Nice. Beautiful always. Burlington. We're here in Thornhill, uh, which is sometimes beautiful, sometimes, you know, just as rainy as everywhere else. So, uh, pretty big news week this week. Uh, our first little segment here. Dallas, what was the, the biggest piece of news to come out of in, in Star Wars world? So, I was on Facebook and I got a little notification saying something uh, about Kenobi. So I clicked on it, and it looks like they are getting ready to start putting forward an idea for a Obi Wan Kenobi film, which is pretty exciting. Um, last week or a few weeks ago, you had lent me the Kenobi book, which is Legends, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's exciting because he's. We were talking about how he's one of our favorite characters, and it would be. Uh, be really interesting to see if the movie follows some of that book, or even even partly. Uh, it'd be a fascinating storyline, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and there's certainly uh, an idea. It probably won't follow necessarily the plot directly, but the the two things that I, I, I like to see in there, I, I mean, at least the suggestion of a Western, of this very calm, quiet, Obi-Wan off in the wilderness, in the desert, and reflecting on what just happened. How did uh, this thousand-year Republic, thousand-year Jedi lose its way? And um, what's fascinating about the Kenobi novel is, I I think this was intentional by John Jackson Miller, and I won't give any spoilers, but it, and I may have mentioned this in the podcast, in other podcasts before, it's an allegory. It's it's a, a very microscopic uh, microscopic view of what had just taken place in the galaxy as a whole, uh, just in these little town in Tatooine. And um, interesting, yeah. And the it, it provides a little bit in in the the monologues that Obi Wan has, or as the dialogues with Qui Gon's Force Ghost or whatever. Uh, to, to reflect on what happened, but I, I, I'd like to see even more, even fuller. Um, yeah, if any. Yeah, and you think to... you're pretty confident that uh, Ewan McGregor will be recast if they do that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't see them even bothering if he's not on board. Uh, and we know he's on board, which is which is great. Um, I read that he was interested in it. Yeah, and, and to say to say that publicly... You know, and then to, to for him to not be involved or yeah. whatever would be would be ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the news in particular, and this hasn't been confirmed by Lucasfilm, but uh, it's it's out there 
enough. I mean, we kind of knew it was going to happen anyways, mm-hmm. but uh, this is the first real word we've heard uh, from from pretty reputable news sources. And the, the news was that a director, uh, can't quite recall his name, and a director I'm not familiar with. I don't know if I've seen any of his films, but um, very much suited to the more quiet, character-driven pieces that uh, this film should be. And I keep thinking, it's going to be, you could be Ewing McGregor's masterpiece. I know that's a bit of an audacious thing, but it'd be mostly just him camping out in the desert. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he did a film on Jesus, oddly enough, interesting enough. <laughs> and uh, kind of almost like uh, like Tom Hanks in Castaway or... or some of Tom Hanks's other yeah. very solo films, very introspective kind of films. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, that'd be exciting. I'd enjoy something like that. Yeah, it it, it has the potential to be my favorite, certainly of the spinoffs of, yeah. of the, the standalone stories. Yeah. Maybe up there with it has the potential to be up there. Um, you know, the hands Rogue One was fantastic. I thought, um, but that's the story they always had to tell. Han Solo, it could be could be great. I mean, the script we've heard is off the charts, and that's why again they had to go with they had to ditch Lord Miller, who was yeah. ditching the script. This Han Solo film, if they do it right, it it could be. Uh, I think uh, Tiffany Smith on Collider Jedi Council, she said it it could be the type of thing. I think this is what she said, the type of thing that would help non-prequelists actually come over, frankly. <laughs> be, to, come appreci- over and, to appreciate them. Appreciate it more deeply yeah. and uh, express why that part of the story is so central and so moving. And mm. uh, we will get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I haven't, uh, I don't know really anything about the Han Solo movie, so. That's the first I that's heard fair. of it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, other than the, the whole director fiasco. and Yeah, that's, I heard about that. But, um, yeah, and, and I am looking forward to it. I mean, everything I've heard about from Lawrence Kasdan's perspective, I am looking forward to it. If they get it in by May. I, look, I, I, Ron Howard has done an amazing job of uh, helping people relax and be more confident and saying, okay, everything's going to be fine. Um, Ron Howard, he's, he's tweeting photos of the set and doing, doing a great job. And so, yeah, I, I think that's going to be fine. I'm just, everyone's, the Kenobi film was the one we've all been hoping for. Yeah. Kenobi in the wilderness, in the dark times, which is my favorite era. I mentioned in uh, my, my episode on, on canon, uh, that, that time between... Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is my favorite because it's bridging things, and that's what, part of why I loved Rogue One so much. Mm. Uh, that's why Rebels. One of the things that's so fascinating about Rebels. Uh, my favorite. I should have mentioned this in that episode. My favorite, favorite part of literature. My second favorite, I should say, <laughs> part of literature from all of Legends, yeah. second to the Darth Plagueis novel, was the the comic book run Dark Times. Which uh, really raised some fascinating questions about how to be a Jedi in the dark times and ah, what to do, and and 
And so uh, that, interestingly enough, that gets us to uh, my our second section, what you're reading. Uh, I'll go first because it's a good segue. I just finished uh, A New Dawn, the Rebels prequel. Uh, it came out a few years ago. So it's it's basically when Kanan met Hera and uh, the two... Well, two of the, the older characters in Rebels. And, yeah, it was... Characters were, were written well. The villain was actually... I don't know if it's the strength or weakness of the story, but the villain was actually the most interesting, strongest character. It's it's a good backstory villain. And so, um, some parts of the book were kind of confusing. Just small things, like they the author would assume something would happen... We'd assume we were tracking with it, small things like a character would move here to there, yeah. and it wasn't entirely clear. So, some things could have been better. It was it was one of the earlier novels, um, and, and it explores you know Kanan wanting to grab his lightsaber and realizing no, he can't <laughs> because uh, he can't be exposed yet, yeah. and you know he's still kind of this vagabond who hasn't. Uh, who, who who hasn't joined the rebellion yet? Uh, by the end of it, he's he's with Hera for eh, not necessarily the most noble reasons. He's he's interesting with the whole thing. People watching the show and really shipping, obviously, yeah. <laughs> to use that term. Uh, Hera and Kanan. Well, this brings it on that he he was initially very attracted to her and followed her along. For those reasons, so it was it was a good good first. It would have been a good introduction. It'll be interesting going into season four of Rebels and and seeing that and so seeing that dynamic and mm. maybe they'll bring out that romantic dynamic even more. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows if Kanan's going to survive? <laughs> I haven't seen Rebels yet. Actually, yeah, finished Clone Wars. Haven't seen Rebels. You should. Uh, forward to that. You finished Clone Wars, which is more than can be said for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, if you haven't seen Rebels, definitely check it out uh, somehow. Um, it's not on Netflix anymore, is it? It's not on Netflix yet. yet. I don't know if it. I don't know if it really will be. Actually, another piece of news I should pass on is Disney's actually going to go for their own streaming service, and that'll be uh, that'll be. Interesting. I mean, we'll probably have to, you know, I'll probably have to ditch a Netflix account and just go for that. Um, no, that means no more Star Wars movies on Netflix. No, eventually, this could probably be twenty nineteen. No yeah. more Star Wars movies on Netflix. No more Star Wars shows. But it means they can just throw on a Star Wars show on Netflix, and that's probably partly what's in production. Yeah. Probably throw all the MCU films in there too, which will be exciting. The Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Cool. Uh, so, so that was what, what you're reading. What's a uh, you mentioned um, a little bit before that. I am about halfway through the Kenobi book. Yeah. Uh, I forget the author. John Jackson Miller. John Jackson Miller, yeah. Um, which is really good so far, which is why I'm really excited about the potential movie. Um, and I'm going to, when I finish that, I'm going to start Pelagius' yes. book <laughs> on your recommendation. This looks exciting. Darth Pelagius. That would be, that would be an interesting episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would work. But, yeah. but yeah, Darth Pelagius, yeah. Yeah, and that's about it. Yeah, fair enough. It's been um, four weeks. It's the last time I was here. Oh well, yeah, surprised I got through half of Kenobi. Yeah, well yeah, yeah. It can be a bit of a. You got a lot on the go. You got a lot going on. 
Yeah. <laughs> so. Two more weeks and then back to work and school. So right. One time so, back. Yeah. So, well, thanks for taking time to come out here and uh, cooking up some borscht and talking Star Wars. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to you as you throw it back to me. All right. <laughs> so, see how these go. So, last time I was here, uh, just chatting about what we were chatting about got me interested and all the head knowledge you have about Star Wars, so I thought, huh, I want to come back and ask you some questions. All right. So, um, some yeah, of them... I should just uh, prompt you. So, what, what I'm hoping for in a few things, yeah, it's a good way of prompting and jogging my own thoughts. I mean, often when I'm preparing an episode, I, I have a, some questions to ask myself. So, this is a great way of yeah. going through it. Um, and some things... Maybe a bit of a rehash. Some things are actually going to be a preview for some some fuller episodes. So this will be a good way to get a sketch out. And yeah, some, some pretty uh, pretty interesting questions you got. Yeah, some of them up, so. some of them overlap and then yeah. some of them are kind of standalone yeah. questions. So let's dive in and feel All free right. to chime in on your own thoughts too. Okay. Yeah. Alright, so question one. Start with a bit of psychology here. Carl yeah. Young. Proposed the theory of archetypes, which is this idea that there are universal, archaic patterns and images deriving from the collective unconscious of humanity. These images, themes, motifs are actualized when they enter consciousness as images or behavior. So I tend to see Star Wars as a really good example of ancient archetypes playing out on screen that we all relate to. Um, that said, I tend to read theology back into Star Wars anytime I'm watching it. And I see Christian themes there that weren't necessarily intended by Lucas, if at all. So my question is, why do you think Star Wars has such a grasp on our religious imaginations? What does that say about our faith, if anything? And what do you think it says about why Christians like Star Wars so much? <laughs> and that's a question that gets to the heart of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Um, and as we know, the you know, Star Wars, George Lucas intentionally, at least with the original trilogy, intentionally went about writing a story that mapped onto uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey and his, his theory of archetypes. That's He is a Jungian uh, I guess literary theorist and explicitly tying in, relating Jung's theories to... Uh, two, two stories, both ancient and modern. Um, and there is, in a way, a way of understanding the Christian story, the story of Jesus, a little bit within that, really the story of the Christian as part of the hero's journey. Um, part, you know, certainly the, you know, certainly the Old Testament narratives playing into these archetypes too and that's that's again what I the parallels especially when I do parallels to the Old Testament not just the Old Testament I mean uh, you look at the conversion of St. Paul as this the story of going from uh, an, uh, an antagonist and he says himself you know, I <laughs> persecuted the brethren and uh, was the chief of sinners and he still says he's the chief of sinners goes through and he's confronted by by this vision of Christ. Why are you persecuting me? And so yeah. 
the in, in one sense from almost from of a, a from below sort of Bible as literature. In some ways, it fits into these archetypes. In a lot of ways, it doesn't. I mean, in a very important way, the Christian narrative uh, has is all about antiheroes. I mean, for through morning prayer, I'm reading through the story of David in Second Samuel, and um, he he's not a hero, very clearly. He God is using him in spite of it, and. What's fascinating about Star Wars is Anakin Skywalker, he's not a hero. I'm not trying to claim he is. Um, no, Jesus Christ is, is... There's a difference in that. Well, the interesting thing with, with Jesus is, is that there's growth because he's a real human being, but there's already the sanctity there. And so grace is present. Talking about Mary last week. She's full of grace already. Um, so I have two parts I, I, maybe long story short two answers to this question mm-hmm. um, two things it says about the Christian faith is that it is both universal in that it, it seeps into every other story I think J.R.R. Tolkien wrote uh, kind of, I guess his take on a similar thing to what Campbell was doing but for Tolkien, it's everything taps into the story of Christ and yeah. uh, birth, death, resurrection. Yeah. Um, and so our faith does resonate throughout human history. Yeah. And that, that is a claim we make as Christ is the center of human history. Yeah. The other thing, and this is what's fascinating about Star Wars, is it's able to tap into the way, I think, these resonances are able to tap into the way the Christian faith transcends all these stories and transcends mm. history and yeah. not, not transcends history but well, yeah transcends it's a paradox right and, and Star Wars gets this paradox that the Christian faith understands is uh, Christ is co-eternal and enters history and it's still co-eternal right? <laughs> it's a paradox yeah it's a paradox uh, in the technical terms of transcendence and imminence yeah. meaning and, and, I, and imminence by what I meant by universal, universally present. Uh, not imminence, but immanence. It's a different word. Um, transcendence meaning it's unlike anything. Yeah. And, and what we see with Star Wars is it's, it's seeped in ancient archetypes and ancient stories and even the influences of... of uh, Kurosawa and all these other films and the serials and Buck Rogers and, and all that and there's this this fascinating book uh, The Magic of Myth and it's related to there's the Smithsonian um, exhibit on Star Wars and it ties into Joseph Campbell and how that uh, well Joseph Campbell's own theories and Joseph Campbell actually I think he wrote, he wrote a book about Star Wars and the dialogue there so uh, it was fascinating so it taps into that, but also 1977, everyone who saw it in May of 1977 said, what is this? This is unlike anything we've seen before. Yeah. And this exciting, thrilling adventure that wasn't so explicitly what can't be reduced to pure science. There was this 
mystical energy field that yeah. we can't explain or control. Mm-hmm. So it's transcendent and imminent, <laughs> just a lot like the Christian faith. Is. Good answer. Yeah, I liked your um, how you brought that Tolkien quote yeah. um, for a comparison because um, this question was inspired by a course I did at McMaster called Christ in Film. Oh yeah, I think it was Christ in Film, and then there was Bible in Film. And we watched, I picked it because I knew we would just be watching movies. It's a good but, <laughs> but I was shocked at how the even the teacher had brought up this concept that for those who have faith, or who are Christians in our case, the, it's almost like we are looking for Christ in those films, and we, we, find, mm-hmm. we find his message, the message of the gospel in those films, and, and, and beyond that, even the Old Testament stories too that you were talking about yeah. um, and so that's kind of what inspired the, uh, the question yeah and I, I should say and I mentioned this a little bit I mentioned this a few times some of these resonances some of these parallels uh, one of them is pretty darn obvious right in your face mm-hmm. virgin birth yeah. right? uh, and then let's just keep it that way yeah um, some things like the chosen one becomes the the, the villain mm-hmm. that that's not obvious and you could people and I've heard and people rightly argue well there's aspects that don't fit yeah um, and, and that's that's fair I'm only so I'm not trying to say this is that no yeah I'm not trying to confine I'm saying you're looking is, for shadows. Yeah, shadow resonances. Yeah. I think this is a lot like that and helps us understand. So, yeah. um, it reminds me of um, just trying to make sure my thoughts are coherent yeah. here. When I was at the uh, the Orthodox liturgy one time, um, the priest had said that the liturgy, the experience of participating in the liturgy, it's like an eternal thing. We're not just remembering yeah. what Christ did. It's as if He's doing it. We step into eternity when we're in the liturgy. We remember all of these symbols of death, uh, resurrection, and 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 I tend to see Star Wars and other fantasy as as kind of echoing what happens in the liturgy. It's like we're, yeah, it's we're, we're hearing that message come out even in secular mm-hmm. like fantasy novels. Yeah, and uh, at least that's how I was. That's how I sure. think of it. And, and I think I mean Lord of the Rings would be. A more explicit parallel there. Again, it, again, Lord of the Rings isn't trying to do. Tolkien wasn't trying to do what C.S. Lewis was doing. Yeah. Again, mapping along, like with Aslan, the crucifixion. That was yeah. that was intentional by C.S. Lewis. Tolkien is still, uh, you know, the very committed Roman Catholic, committed mm-hmm. to yeah. that sense of I mean, another Catholic, Marshall McLuhan. You know, the medium being the message, mm-hmm. um, the sacrament being the gospel. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like that answer. Um, do you mind if I go into the next go question? Alright, so this one's sort of related. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Star Trek, <laughs> Gene Roddenberry has a view of history, the future, and human nature that seem to do away with religion. It's almost as if he had this vision that the, the future would be religion-free. Um, George Lucas's vision in Star Wars, though, is different. Um, what is it about Lucas's view of humanity and faith that is more compelling to people, whether they're religious or not? 
So this is a bit of a timely thing. Just, just yesterday, uh, first of all, yeah, and I've said before, uh, I grew up a trucker. I grew up watching Next Generation. Yeah. I still love it. It's still Star Trek is is still a part of part of my fandom, and uh, it certainly doesn't get the same amount of attention Star Wars does anymore. But yeah. always very enjoyable. Always very thought provoking. Definitely looking forward to the Discovery series. Yeah. Um, What's timely is I, just yesterday, I watched the first part of the Enterprise Mirror Universe episodes. Oh, cool. Uh, and what's fascinating there, there's two things. I mean, it's, those two are the single greatest episodes of the entire series of Enterprise. Um, the Mirror Universe? Episode. Yeah, easily, easily. I mean, so there's some other good ones that are, are pretty neat, but, uh... Those are the two that stand among some of the greatest episodes of all of Star Trek. And and part of the reason why is we see in the, the opening credits is this really bizarre, almost disturbing... Uh, you know, the opening credits of Enterprise, it's usually this fun, poppy song that... <laughs> and these images of, of exploration and uh, journey and voyage and promoting peace and unity among among uh, different planets different different races and whatnot yeah. this one no this is a, a martial theme almost like a, a, a battlefield march out of the the 18th century 17th 18th century or even a, a naval chanty and it's all about nuclear weapons and uh, bomb- aerial bombardment and uh the Terran Empire marching on mm-hmm. and my thought was you know that is as much a part of our reality as this other more benign benevolent exploratory peacemaking uh, reality and and you know I hate to say it, it I tend to think it's even more a part of our reality uh, as as evil sinful human beings in that we I mean just think about what are we going to be more likely to do is are we more likely to uh, have you know, in the future have this interstellar alliance where we after we've been able to eradicate hunger and poverty and disease and all we're going to do is go explore and then we have these these phasers on our ships only for defense and protection or are we going to Use them for conquest and, and mm. ensuring our security. Are we going to let politics still be dominated by money and self-interest? And yeah. uh, if we have these powerful starships, are we going to go and and meet with cultures and, and invest in their welfare, or are we going to uh, point guns at them and and say? No, your all your resources are belong to us, yeah. and and I don't know, and that's the problem with Star Trek. And again, I love it, but Gene Roddenberry said, "No, we're gonna eradicate poverty. We're gonna, uh, we're of course we're gonna be benevolent. We're gonna gonna invest and care for people because people are fundamentally good, and because history inevitably will lead to this point. And for the '60s, that was both." mind-blowingly uh, fresh thinking and it was 
also very much part of the times, you know, in, in the atmosphere. In the 90s, with the new, with American prosperity with Clinton, it was, uh, it, it was there, it was with the times. After 9-11, after, <coughs> after Bush, and even after Obama didn't do what we'd hoped, you know, with the rise of Trump and, and tribalism, we, we can't think about history that way. And what we see with Star Wars in, in just 10 years after the original series was actually, no, there's been this empire created and this massive Death Star. <coughs> and that peace is this actually enforced through, through subjugation. And the only thing that can save us is this mystical energy that has a will that carries these these people, plucks this farm boy out of mm. oblivion and leads him to pluck the great villain out of himself and out of his literal shell. And so <coughs> that's what resonates with, with, with Star Wars is it, it gives us language of sin and grace and redemption that Star Trek just tries to, I think it sometimes sometimes it succeeds on a smaller scale Yeah. Uh, in, in some ways Star Trek certainly asks, I mean, one of the best episodes, Measure of a Man asks amazing questions about technology and yeah. uh, I mean the Borg yeah. are, are, are a good point there Yeah. but Star Wars, that's the point of the story is that same fall and redemption yeah. and the resonances. So you said you, you might answer. have had thoughts. Yeah, well, I think I probably approach it more black and white than you, but yeah. I love TNG, but <coughs> I, to me it felt like a lot of the episodes in TNG were about exploring phenomena, phenomena and then coming to a scientific understanding of yeah. what that phenomena meant. And I think and, and while that was interesting and very fun to watch, what I think I like about Star Wars is that with the Force, they don't... I mean, at least the the original uh, movies, they don't try to explain it. It's like, right. it's a mystery. And I think people deep down crave mystery. Um, and it's, yeah. like, it's a mystery and they respect it and they, they don't seek to explain it and I think that's also the argument for why people didn't like the, the prequels right um, we will address those issues shortly yeah <laughs> and uh, so but that's one reason why I think uh, yeah Star Wars universe in terms of how they view religion is more captivating to me than what they did with TNG in the original series although Deep Space Nine which is yeah. my favorite series oh yeah went in a completely different direction and I think yeah. that's why they include religion as a fundamental part of the series and part of human experience <laughs> and uh, and, that, and that's why I loved it so what's interesting and Dallas this isn't a criticism of you but the use of the word religion and I'm kind of I'm following, following the thought of, of Bill Kavanaugh you should go check him out he's a uh, a Catholic ethicist and political political theologian. I've heard of him. Yeah, um, of the Stanley Harawas fame, and for him, the word religion 
has is actually a very problematic word. So, so what you'll notice it comes with baggage. It has this baggage, and, and it's it's it's, but it's actually it's misused. And so you look in Star Trek. There is this category called religion, mm-hmm. and it's this thing that's encapsulated. Oh, the religion of this planet, the religion of that planet. Yeah. Whereas we're Starfleet, we're Federation, we're we're going for it. Yeah. Um, in Star Wars, there, in the Star Wars fans use this term, but in Star Wars itself, they, the idea of there being quote religion that's separate from well, interesting. The one use of the word religion actually is the exception that proves the point. The in the prequels, especially and and. No, but with Yoda and, and, and Luke and his training, there isn't, like, religion separate from every other part of experience, right? For him, for Yoda... It's universal. Yeah, it's this universal... It's That's the atmosphere. That's the air they breathe. Yeah. And so what's fascinating about the word religion is the only time it comes up is Tarkin telling Vader, you, my friend, are the only uh, vestige... I forget the line exactly, but the only example of their religion wow. and it's come in a time where this this very technocratic uh, order ordered imposing empire mm. has eradicated the Jedi yeah. and eradicated it eradicated mystery yeah. because he wants to establish its own control and uh, little that well, that probably Tarkin probably knows this but Knows that the Emperor is also a Dark Lord of the Sith and, and whatnot, but um, and, and and Tarkin himself has some respect. If you look in the, the James Luceno novel hmm. more recently, he had, the canon novel, he has some respect for the Force and for uh, for the Sith and, and even probably just to understand what the Jedi were. Yeah, um, and him being big up in the Empire, he's allowed to go into a Nixon in China without. Being accused of being yeah. sympathetic to the Jedi, um, but yeah, there, there is. The, it, it's just my point with all this is it's truer to the experience of people of faith. Yeah. It isn't. I don't entirely know what George Lucas's own own beliefs are, but it isn't this thing over there. Yeah, pointing. In. So, so in a nutshell, yeah. you're saying in the Star Trek universe, religion is kind of carp compartmentalized yeah, it's a good way to, to each it. planet and it's yeah. but in the Star Wars universe it's a universal it's compartmentalized truth. at all it's yeah. yeah it's just yeah and, and, and whether so you live on another planet or not it's, it's right yeah, and we're we're seeing this come to bear in the new canon in all these different groups popping up which actually this is really going to express us even more deeply I mean you see in in Rogue One you see the Guardians of the Wills and you see Lor Sentek at the beginning of Force Awakens with the Church of the Force. Church. Interesting word. You see in, uh, I mean, in, in Clone Wars you have the Night Sisters, and uh, in in Rebels you have uh, Zeb's people, the Lasats. They have another uh, another view on it, another angle. So, we can call those, I mean... They're like orders. Yeah, orders, <laughs> denominations, churches, yeah. whatever. But all tapping into this thing that's held in common. Yeah. Even in the middle of this empire that wants to stamp it all in yeah. and replace it with the religion of imperial order. That's a really cool insight. I didn't so, think about it like that. Um, 
So then this, I think, gets into question number three. Yeah, so question number three is... Did you segue here? Uh, I just realized there's one question missing, but that's okay. No, that's um, it's often been criticized that Christianity becomes compromised when it becomes wedded to empire. Pun intended. <laughs> I've always thought of the melding between church and state to be a huge conflict of interest. Do you see any parallels here with the Jedi Order and their close relationship with government? So, you mentioned before, well, not liking the prequels because they tried to explain the Force. Yeah. Um, and then that's the, the hater criticism of yeah, it, too. Yeah, and, and I understand where that criticism comes from. Yeah. That's, that was the point. <laughs> um, that's the thing. That's where they lost their way is because... And I've said this before. They had reduced everything to midi chlorian counts, and uh, not everything. They couldn't. They tried. Yeah. They. Were, they Star Trek it. They started <laughs> in, a, in a little bit of a way. Yeah. Uh, they well, yeah. They they reduced the midi chlorian counts and yeah, tried to quantify faith scientifically. Yeah. In the. And so the, I, I see almost it as a fourth allegory. I don't want to put Star Wars up with scripture, but I see I see three parallels here, and, and the three parallels that have been uh, taken. Is it three? Yes, maybe, maybe three. I don't try to remember. I, the parallels that have been taken uh, taken as allegories of each other, and. Uh, the first parallel I see is uh, with Israel in exile, and I, mean, I think it was just the two parallels. And, and so Israel in exile, um, yeah, as you know, they had become so wedded to the temple system, mm-hmm. to the Davidic monarchy. Yeah. Well, and, and not just the Davidic monarchy, but the way kings and empires throughout the world they had to the point where they had forgotten that God was their king and so you see them waging wars and and, and there's this weird concession where yeah they need Samuel they need Samuel there to have this, the priests there to have the sacrifice and sometimes the prophets warn them and say go to war don't go to war yeah. but by and large there was this sense of we're set. We have it figured out. We're good. And uh, God comes in and says, "No, you don't <laughs> have it figured out." And I'm going to carry you to Babylon and tell you, "Only I'm the one who can figure this out, and I'm only I'm the one who can guide and lead you." So much so that when I take away these supports, I'm going to guide and help you. And I, and so we have the Jedi in exile through these dark times that I'm so fascinated by. And, then, so this, and again, this is the parallel comes. It's the parallel of exile. Mm-hmm. Um, in that during you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda, and we see Cain and we see others learning and in the dark times and learning, having to decide, okay, how do we, how do we live? How do we go forward? Learning to get at the heart of what mystery of the Force is, um, and to get at the heart of what what wisdom is, 
and the Force as wisdom and not just this technical thing. So, I mean, so by the time old Ben Kenobi's in his in his shed there with Luke talking about the Force, he could do a midi chlorian camp on him, and it, it could reveal something. Who knows? Maybe he has somehow one time. Yeah. <coughs> but he doesn't. He knows that that's just not enough. Yeah. And it would be part of putting things astray. Who knows? Many coins are going to come back in. Probably not. But uh, to learn that kind of wisdom. The second parallel, and, and this is actually being used as an allegory, or has read Israel in exile as an allegory more recently, is with the fall of Christendom. Is with uh, <coughs> sorry, the I mean, we, there, there's, it gets more complicated. The picture itself is more complicated, but, you know, before Vatican II, sure, the churches were full and seminaries were full, and there was this universally held understanding of what the Christian faith was, and people just all went to church. But it was still, I mean, there was still this very neo-scholastic systematization of of the faith, and I may have mentioned this, but I mean, moral theology was treated as a manual of this is what you're to do, and this is what you're not to do, and confessors were, were said, you know, this this list of sins and equals this list of, of penances, and a lot of a lot of behavior modification, a lot of we're just going to do these things. I mean, there was a good theology of of habit and. Uh, learning how to live rightly, but the why just of following Christ and being conformed to Christ often got forgotten, um, and so the church fell out of any kind of relevance in culture and society by this point. And um, the question really becomes, and this was reading the Dark Times comic, really raised this and with Canaan and, and other stories really raises this. How are we to live now? How are we to uh, be Christians in public? Right? Um, yeah. and, and what we see in the United States now clearly is not the answer. What we've seen for the last... It's scary. Yeah, the last 40, 50 years, really, but of, of and this clinging on to this old way. Of, you know, we're going to uphold this very white Christian nation, and what that reveals is having lost the plot, yeah. and uh, only being out for our own security and our own safety by enforcing it on others and by forcing our our, our white Christian superiority on others. And I think it's fair to say too that's a. Uh it's a, a, a branch of Christianity because I don't look yeah. at it and identify with it. I, right. I kind of feel like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty heretical. Yeah. In, in, in the very classical term of, they're this very, I mean, white Christians are, are the minority of Christians. White people are the minority in the world. And it's this very Americanized brand. Um, and... This is the last. This Trump, I think, is, is the last gasp of, of this, and the 
the rug being pulled from under it to the point where and, and this is the tra- most tragic thing is well, what what's interesting about uh, the fall of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire is the public was so behind it I mean you, you here in the Senate everyone cheering cheering Palpatine saying uh, my, it's the attack on my life they believed the Jedi were capable of something like this they, and they, they were, and the public was was all, oh, yeah, the Jedi are, are corrupt. Of course they're corrupt. Of course they attack the Chancellor. Okay, this Empire, we can get behind this, and uh, we're gonna. If we see a Jedi, we're gonna report him or or whatever. And um, what the tragic thing is, I mean, evangelism now is such an uphill battle, um, because it skirts this line of. Well, we want people to to come to Christ, to come to know Jesus, and have their lives transformed. But you know, this tension that a lot of mainline churches are facing. I mean, on the other hand, you have a former presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, uh, Catherine Jeffers Story, noticeably being uncomfortable with talking about Jesus in public mm. for fear of coming across as we want to reestablish Christendom. Right. For fear of sounding like white Christian supremacists and uh, the tragedy tragedy there the ultimate tragedy just like how the wisdom of the force was lost to the galaxy mm. I do wonder sometimes if the wisdom of the Christian story is lost to the public consciousness because there are as many things as I mean that's what I'm saying before about it's the story is present and then there are these resonances in pop culture and in society and and to go to cons and just relax and have fun is, is such a wonderful thing. And to get to know people and be kind to people just as people. Um, but there's this image that the Christian faith is all hateful and judgmental. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're responsible for that fact. And, um, and so, I mean, the thing is... It, just like, and, and I guess here's my final point here on this question is this thing is not as all dire picture. The fall of Christendom, I mean, Christendom, when it was Christendom, it just was. You know, I, I don't think it was any good or bad. It just was the way the world was. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the way the world is. Yeah. Uh, it's an opportunity, though. See, Yoda and Obi Wan camping out. To stop and reflect. I mean, it's the first time. Any season of death. Season of death, yeah. and death leads to resurrection. Yeah. Um. This is the first time. They have this opportunity to, to stop and ask. How did things go wrong? What really matters? And this yeah. this ties us back into the, that first parallel. Yeah. The Babylonian exile was one of the most, if not the most fruitful period of the growth of Israel's faith and, and the Jewish faith and the belief of the people of God. I mean, what's interesting is the Torah was, was compiled and brought together, understood as wisdom uh, during Babylonian exile. And it's only later that people, you know, Pharisees and Sadducees and them again corrupted it and again the Roman Empire came and, and yeah. took things out but 
we need to take this as an opportunity to to re-engage the society, re-engage the world. We need to take Trump as an opportunity to say we're still not there. We're still being distracted by all our own petty disputes and uh, we can actually stand as, as a witness to what is true and good and beautiful. So that's a great answer. So to sum up, you uh, you really, you like the prequels because they show just where things went astray and and kind of where they needed to go in order to get it right again. You say that's right? Yeah, I mean, they really bring out I don't know. They really bring out all these themes. Yeah. So, to the fore. And and so, yeah, in part, I mean, it, it's just fascinating to see. Yeah. Again, I mean, it, it isn't this optimistic view of history. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not a pessimist, because that's yeah. also just as wrong. I mean, optimism, pessimism, it's an ism, it's a control. Yeah. I can be a cynic sometimes. I try to be a realist. Mm-hmm. And... And, and and just the prequels. I even wonder if I want to stop using the word prequel. Mm. Come to think of it, because the critique was, oh, it's just backstory, and yeah. uh, it isn't backstory. It's part of the main story. So I don't know. I mean, for lack of a better term, prequels, but it brings these themes to the fore. Yeah. And and we've been with they've been with us for almost twenty years now. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, coming up on twenty years since episode one came out, wow. two years from now, and so there, that's just half. I mean, half the time the original trilogy has been with us. So, uh, okay, yeah. So I have one final kind of related question. Um, you've compared Anakin uh, as embodying different elements of being a Christ figure or mm-hmm. shadow which have been awesome. But I think one of the best embodiments of Christ-likeness in this, the whole series happens with Obi-Wan when he allows Vader to strike him down. And this is kind of connected to the question about the problem of Empire wedding with uh, the Jedi and the issue of, of violence, because violence and Empire go hand in hand. Yeah. So my question is, um, and I'm more of a non-violent I don't really hold to some sort of just war theory. Right. Uh, but my question is, can or do you think one can be a Jedi and be nonviolent? <laughs> or did violence become part of the Jedi way uh, of living only after it supported the Republic? Right. And I, I say that as I stroke my beard and <laughs> try to do my best impersonation of James Arnold Taylor. Why, hello there. Um, so first of all, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi... And we, brought, we talked about it at the beginning. I mean, I gotta remember, he's been one of my favorite characters. He's, because he's, in throughout, the, throughout this thing, because he's not an ideal, mm. but he still has this nobility about him and this wisdom about him that, yeah. I mean, the way Qui Gon stretches back, Obi Wan stretches, looks forward. Yeah. And, um, and so, I mean, what I, what I, See with Obi Wan, yeah. There, there is this sac- self-sacrifice. Strike me down, mm-hmm. and I will come even greater. Could be even greater, right? I mean, destroy this temple, and I'll be raised again on the third day. Um, 
I mean, what I see with Obi Wan, kind of mentioned him last time, he as uh, the the caregiver, the psychologist, the the counselor, yeah, and, and the the ideal priest in a lot of ways, yeah. in the way ministry is conformed to Christ for the sake of others. Mm. He still has this confidence and this this uh, forward presence that. Is it doesn't take any nonsense from anybody. Hmm. The the nonviolence question. <laughs> I mean, was there a time before the Republic where the Jedi, like, what is the purpose of the lightsaber? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is that's a can of worms, maybe. Yeah, well, and, well, and part of it is is in the new canon. We don't fully know. Um, I mean, my my instinct there goes to. Here's the, I I don't think I'm an absolute pacifist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm mostly pacifist. <laughs> uh, well, what the Jedi, as they're meant to be, tell us is violence and conquest. I mean, it's about, I mean, the, the way some, some thinkers talk, I think Hatterwas and others talk about this as what do we imagine? What's our imagination? What's our drive and our goal? Yeah. Goal here, and um, so you have the lightsaber. You have, uh, you know, we have walls in our houses, and we have the Canadian Armed Forces, the Royal Canadian Armed Forces, and the question becomes: Why are we using them? And <laughs> what do we? giving them for and things like nuclear weapons and uh, biochemical weapons those are I think easier to 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 say oh yeah that's clearly the result of uh, the Death Star mentality right of peace and security can only come by having bigger guns than the other guy yeah and and so I mean what you raise is this, this interesting point of Again, how the Jedi get so corrupted, so as to become generals in this Clone War that was really all about Palpatine usurp taking the Dark Lord of the Sith taking power. Uh, so at, like, they were at the height of their corruption when they were their most violent. Yeah, exactly, and that, that that's very much much true. Um, but what we see, so another thing, a recent development in. Uh, the, the new Darth Vader comic 2017 is this introduction of something called the Barash Vow and and this is maybe a tie into what Luke is, is thinking about doing on Achto on the end of Force Awakens we see him there um, almost like conscientious objectors in that if a Jedi couldn't uh, was unwilling to uh Engage in military conflict. Wasn't willing to use. Well, here's the thing: you, uh, as the, they should, wasn't willing to use the lightsaber for attack. Men, the men force. Men Jedi. Men Well, <laughs> well, they became they become hermits. Yeah. And and so this question of maybe what this is what Luke is doing on on Achito. Ah, interesting. Um, Darth Vader encounters this other Jedi. 
who took this Barash vow I mean, during the Clone Wars or just before. So, I mean, that's the thing, is the Jedi are to use the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. So knowledge and defense can be a legitimate use of the lightsaber. Attack. Cannot. I mean, the thing is... Um, yeah, I'm just going to spoil this. So the 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 best episode of all of Rebels is uh, when when Darth Maul comes up in Clone Wars when he confronts finds Obi Wan finds Ben in the desert mm-hmm. and here and this is maybe answers your question ultimately is Ben absolutely does not want to kill Obi Wan or kill Darth Maul rather that's the last thing he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He wants to try and reason with him, try and calm him down, talk him down, and uh, and and Maul. I mean, he has his lights. He's not Darth Maul. He's Maul. Yeah. The this poor, pitiful older soul screwing around, still yeah. encapsulated by his rage, and he's got his. He has his, his lightsabers drawn. His, his lightsaber staff thing drawn, and. Obi-Wan's still trying to calm him, talk him down. Pretty forcefully, pretty pretty brazenly, but still with the intention of de-escalating the conflict. And it's only when Maul mentions Luke, and not by name, but mentions, recognizes, you're protecting something. Mm-hmm. And it's only at this final cosmic defining thing, at least for in, in Obi-Wan's case, does 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 he ignite his, his lightsaber and engage in the conflict? And I won't spoil what happens. It is the best episode of Rebels. Nice. <laughs> um, Look forward to it. Yeah, this is my favorite episode of Rebels. Yeah. Um. And so, I guess this is kind of a roundabout, complicated answer to your question because, right. because I mean, the questions of just one pacifism are, are, I think, more complicated. Mm. Um. Right, why? And then thinking about, I mean, about Nazis and, and the the rally of it last week and a specter of World, World War uh, World War Two. I can't yeah. speak. <laughs> um, no, it, it's hard to say that that war was unjust. Mm. It, it's and it's hard to say any war is just. Yeah. And it should be hard, but. You know, there have been so many wars in the 20th century. <laughs> and I think there's only one that we can actually say that was the only one. And, and we look at how Chamberlain is remembered compared to Churchill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 the rebellion against the Empire, the resistance against the First Order. Um, I mean, it, again, it's hard to apply these principles, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's what's fascinating is the forces with the rebellion, the forces with the resistance. Yeah. So hmm. the the one thing I can I'd say is God is not on the side of American troops in Iraq or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> I, we can't claim that. You can't. He's not on the side of ISIS or anything. I mean, that's yeah. more the the. The thing with Jericho, you know, or Joshua Jericho, I'm neither for or against you. This is just this thing that needs to happen because we're in a fallen world. And 
I think the, the, the Christ message is that he's suffering with everyone who is suffering. Yeah. That's where he is. He's not on one person's side or the other. Yeah. Um, and that's a question that I, I always think about when I, when I watch Star Wars, is the whole role of nonviolence and right. violence <laughs> and the purpose of it. And So that's a good answer. It is a complicated question. Yeah. I mean, talking about imagination, you know, the myth of redemptive violence is is something that's pervasive, and mm. um, the 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 thing about optimism in Star Trek is, uh, yeah, I mean, it tries to do away with this myth. I I don't, frankly, I don't have full, a full answer right now. Um, what I do know is. That you know, a Jedi master like Obi Wan Kenobi, he he knows when he has to brandish the lightsaber because he's protecting the vulnerable, yeah. and then he's willing to suffer with. Uh, yeah, I mean, engage in he goes into hiding. He doesn't try and take out the Empire. Mm-hmm. He goes into hiding, and at the end, he's willing to suffer, and, and in order to be you know, this, this force for good. Yeah. In the future, and so, uh, good answer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't a straight answer, but no, yeah. It's it's definitely an important question because it's called Star Wars. Yeah. And how can I, as a pacifist, get so excited about seeing yeah. X wings fire? It? He's it's part of the action that you we know? like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny that you brought up Stanley Harrow's. I think yeah. I think he's the one that said. I'm a pacifist because I'm a violent son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's such a realist thing that I love. He's trying to control himself. Yeah. Which is what you kind of imagine the Jedi doing. It's yeah. They don't want to be violent. It's... Right. So it would be great if Mace Windu was a bit more pacifist. <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, that's why his lightsaber is purple because maybe he's dabbled in the dark side all of it. And, um, but another thing that Stanley Harrow said was... Uh, He's not a pat. Well, John Howard Yoder wasn't a pacifist. Yeah. He was a theologian of the cross, yeah. and how we—that's the issue with pacifism, like optimism, like pessimism. We can't mm. absolutize any ideology. Yeah. We can only submit to the wisdom of the cross, the foolishness of the cross yeah. that we see. Let's bring it full circle. Mm-hmm. We see Obi Wan uh, submitting to the the wisdom of. You know, something like the wisdom of the cross in order to redeem the very person who strikes him down mm-hmm. because he knows that Luke is going to somehow yeah. bring balance to the force yeah. and maybe, maybe, just maybe somehow there's a hint of good still there and it can I love how that's how they resolved the, the series it's yeah. that, that one act yeah. of giving his own life and not choosing not to bear arms right and uh Shuts the lights over off. Yeah. There's so much wisdom <laughs> wisdom and trust involved to do that. Yeah. I like that. So, yeah. so I think that's it. The last yeah. two questions are they'll probably be for another podcast. Yeah. They're pretty big, so that's right. Yeah. yeah, no, I really appreciate hearing all your insights. It was awesome. Yeah. So I love contemplating all these parallels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah well, and and thanks for for jogging my mind with these things hopefully, i mean hopefully some things i can have a little more thought out but yeah. definitely great great food for thought for fodder yeah uh thanks for 
for coming over yeah. and for cooking some borscht and asking me these questions and yes, to talk about Star Wars. Of course. <laughs> so after the school season yeah. kicks up again, I'll, I'll probably come back and yeah, I don't know. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what part of the country I'm in. Yep. But, uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? But yeah. there's all there. There are ways. Technology has its ways of right. helping and supporting us. So, yeah. so that's it for episode eight of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Dallas, where, where can people send you a question? Sir Dallas at hotmail dot com. Sir Dallas, Sir Dallas yeah. hotmail dot com. And I'm at uh, on Twitter at neug four eighty five and. On Instagram at MNEUG45, or sorry, MNEUG1138, that is. Good Star Wars reference in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to comment, uh, share this podcast. Um, tell me I'm, I'm crazy for not denouncing all violence everywhere, right? Full stop. Because <laughs> I do think I'm a little crazy about that. Uh, I don't entirely know if I'm right. <laughs> um but yeah please let me know what you think and as always thanks for listening and may the force be with you